know, we are walking our way through the book of Romans and um, the earthly author of Romans is Paul and he recorded these words to another church, to the church in Corinth. As he was speaking about the Lord's Supper and he was trying to teach them, to get them to understand the the Lord's Supper, he said these words, reminding them about uh, Christ. He said, for I receive from the Lord what I also am delivering to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. So let's give thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, as sons and daughters of yours, we remember the price that was paid, his body being broken for our salvation, for our payment for sin. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he gave thanks. So, Father, it's not just the broken body that we give thanks for. It is also the spilt blood where numerous times throughout the Old and the New Testament, it is reminded, we are reminded, your people, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so it is to that, the shedding of your perfect, spotless, sinless blood, that we are so thankful. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we are so thankful. God, we're we're thankful that you made a way. God, that you saw fit long before you stepped out of nothing, so to speak, and to speak. You, you spoke this world into existence, this whole universe. Before that, you had a conversation with yourself, you had a conversation with your son. And you chose to make a way for me and for us in 2015 after your son came. 2015 after he came and gave his life. That we might have a way to you. So thank you so very much for the cross. Thank you for not just the cross, but coming out of the grave rising from the dead and living forevermore, ruling and reigning in splendor and in majesty and might on your throne. And we long for the day that you will, Jesus, you will hear 
our Father say, go get my children. And we will be with you forever and ever and ever. Hasten that day. Come quickly. Lord Jesus, come. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Romans chapter 6. I don't know about you, but I don't... Kids, you are dismissed. Go, go right in. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like it when, when people ask questions, but there's really no solution to the question that they're asking. I was in a meeting not too long ago, and there was a couple of folks in this meeting, and they just started asking questions, and, and they had no real reason behind the question except that they didn't like what had happened and what was happening and so they were just questioning everything they just questioned you know is the sky blue and stuff like that they really didn't ask that question but just I mean basic stuff and they were leading us in this meeting that I was at they were leading us in a direction that we did not need to go it was a negative direction it was a bad direction yet they kept asking those types of questions. In the passage, Paul asked two questions this morning. He asked two questions about your life and about today. Not just some, let's think about it down the road. Let's, yes, when you're in church on Sundays, you need to answer these questions. You need to think about these. No, these are Monday afternoon at 3.30 questions. These are Saturday night at 11.47 questions. These are questions that you and I need not just to ask, but we need to look at his answers and we need to look at the answers that God is providing for you and for me from his word about questions in life. So I want to read for you and I want to spend our moments this morning in Romans chapter 6 and we will look at the second half of the chapter starting in verse 15 Verse 15 has a question, verse 16 has a question, and then verses 17 through 23 answer these questions. And so let's look at these for just a few moments this morning. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Second question, here it is. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at this passage, God, you would speak. Father, you would drive home in my heart, in our hearts, this message, these questions on life and death. Father, because we need them. We need you. 
So, Father, you speak this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Questions are raised for you and for me on how you live your life. How you live your life. There are these two questions that Paul, he raised to the Romans. He raised them and they have been recorded for you and for me. And so, therefore, he is raising these questions to you as well. He's raising them for us for how you are going to live your life this week, how you're going to spend your days, what you're going to be thinking about, what you're going to be talking about, what you're going to be acting out in the actions that you and I partake in this week because these questions are paramount. They are right in front of you and they are needed to be answered by you. I can't answer them. Paul can't answer them. You've got to answer them for yourself. I've got to answer them for myself. And so as we look, we see these questions that are being raised about how you and I live our lives. Let me ask you the question again. These two questions in verse 15 and verse 16, the question goes like this. Are you and I to sin because we no longer live under the law, but we now live under grace. And do you not know? Second question, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? The final argument in Romans chapter 6, are brought up, it's brought up by these two questions, but it's actually going all the way back to verse 1 of chapter 6 because there's these same questions, or this same question that is being raised. How am I supposed to live? Can I go out and I do anything that I absolutely want to because now I no longer live under this set of laws. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not do this. Yes, you better do this. You better do this. You better do this. And we no longer live under this checklist mentality. We now live under grace. And if we live under grace, is it not that I can go do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, with whomever I want, And everything's okay because it's covered in grace. Paul says, oh no. If if that's what you think, you've got it all wrong, Romans. If that's what you think, River Bend, you've got it all wrong. If that's what you think, Brian, you have it all wrong. Meganoitoi, my favorite Greek word. By no means can you do that. These questions for you and for me are ones that you and I must deal with today. You and I find ourselves living this life three score and ten years. These are not questions that are possible. These are not questions about what ifs. These are questions of certainty. How are you going to live your life, sir? Ma'am, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live your life thinking that, okay, just because I bowed the knee, I stated that I was a born-again believer when I was 11 or when I was 30, that I can go and I can live my life however I absolutely want to, and everything's okay. Because it's grace. Paul says, oh no. 
If, if that's what you think, Romans, if that's what you think, Brian, if that's what you think, Riverbend, then you don't understand grace. Because grace is something that God has given you and He's given me, not just so that we can bow the knee, so to speak, one time, confess with our mouth one time, and then go live however we want. If you understand grace, and I understand grace, we understand the riches of Almighty God through His Son Jesus Christ have given us all these things in spiritual matters. And that drives us to Him. If you understand grace, and I understand grace, it is not that, okay, I can go do whatever I want now because I'm under it. It's, oh, I'm under it, so I want you, Jesus. The the thought here is that if we are not under the law, then it really doesn't matter if we sin or not. Grace means that you and I are free to live as we want to. According to this logic, if that's the logic, At any given moment, it's okay for a believer. If we live that way, it's okay for a believer to lash out in anger against his or her parents. Not at my house, it's not. Not at your house either. If we live by that logic that we can live however we want to because we're now under grace, then you and I could go and we could be unfaithful to our spouse. And it's okay because we're under grace. Not if you're married to Paige Tillman. Not if you're married to anybody else either. If we live by this logic, then it's okay for you and for me to click on an internet link and go to the dark side for an hour, for two hours, one Thursday afternoon, one Tuesday afternoon. No, it's not. If you and I live by this logic... Then, then you and I can just slash somebody to pieces with our tongues. And we can just go on and say, well, I live by grace, so therefore... Bleep. No, you, you can't. Paul is trying to get across to you and to me that you and I cannot live any way that we want to live just because we're under grace. In the strongest way possible, Paul counters this logic with that of my favorite word, meganoitoi. By all means, absolutely not. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36 states this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they come back and they answer him, what are you talking? We are sons of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anybody. Jesus answered him. Verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you. When he says truly, truly, or he says verily, verily, you better pay attention because he's emphasizing something and he wants you to understand it. It is coming. Here is truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to Sin. Let that sink in. And you think about your last week. You think about yesterday, for a matter of fact. Maybe you think about this morning in the bathroom when everybody's trying to get ready for church. Yeah, it happens at my house too. The slave does not remain in the house forever, Jesus goes on. 
the Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're offsprings of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. The question is being raised about how you're going to live your life this week. The question is, going to, is being raised how you're going to live your life from this point forward. You say, Brian, I'm not a slave. Jesus says otherwise. When when you were created, when I was created 42 and a half years ago, I started in my mama's womb and I grew and I grew to some eight pounds and she had me on August the 16th, 1973. And on that day, when I came into this world, I was a slave. At that moment, I had no choice in who I was a slave to, but I was a slave. And for eight and a half years, almost nine years of my life, there was only one master, and that master was Satan. That master, his task was driven. He drove me to sin. He drove me to chains and bondage, and that was the only option that I had. And that's the only option that you have. When you are born into this world... You have one master, and it is God's enemy. But there was a moment in Bartlett, Tennessee, that my father spoke of verses from the book of Romans, from verses of the book of John, and he shared with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, something clicked in my head and said, Brian, you need this. And I bowed the knee, and for the first time ever, I confessed with my mouth, you know, remember that sin from last week of the bubble gum and the selfishness and all the other sins that he was bringing up, how I treated my mom and how I treated my sister and my dad and my friends and all the things that were going on in my life, and I confessed those before Almighty God. It's not that I got free. It's that I change masters. Look there in verse 17 and following. Y'all are going to have to listen faster. Here's what he says. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Read verse 18 again. It's not that, and having been set free from sin, you have become free. So therefore, you can live however you want to. You can go wherever you want to. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. That's not what this scripture says nor any other scripture teaches. It states this, once you were set free from the slavery and the bondage of sin, you have now, verse 18, you have now become slaves of righteousness. 
you and I need to understand that these questions, they've been raised about how you and I are to live, and we see, secondly this morning, the results experienced are stated. Sir, you still have this option. You, you still, ma'am, you still have this choice. If you do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, the choice is still in front of you. The choice is there. You can be a slave to sin, and I want you to see the fruit of this taskmaster. It is death. And then there is the fruit of this other slavery, the slaves of righteousness, and it is eternal life. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms so that the people at River Bend, I just interjected that, so that the people of River Bend can understand it, so that the people at Rome can understand it. I'm speaking in human terms I'm bringing it to you on the bottom shelf so we all can grab it, okay? That's what Paul's getting at. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, because of your thick skulls and your stiff necks, Brian Tillman, I'm bringing it to you right here on the bottom so you can get it. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, as slaves to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Let me tell you how dumb your pastor is. And I, I tell you this, not because I, I want you to follow me in any way, shape, form, or fashion, youth. Not that I want you to follow me in any way, shape, form, or fashion, adults. I tell you this because of the shame that this brings light to in my life. When I was a teenager, um, I, I grew up in a, in a very nice home, family Always went to church, and I always on the outside was doing exactly what I ought to do because I didn't like being in trouble. So therefore, if mom said do something, I did it. Dad said do something, I did it. And I tried to stay out of trouble because I didn't like being in trouble. But on the inside, there was a rebel at heart. And here's how bad the rebel got. Went to college, and uh, for two years, I uh, ran from God, knowing what God wanted me to do, but I didn't want to do it, so therefore I ran. And for two years, every time that it would come up in my mind, I would go do something absolutely terrible so that I could throw it in his face and say, God, no, you understand, I can't do what you want me to do because I just did this. And one of those things that I just did, I loved Budweiser Heavy. I absolutely loved it. I loved it to the point that this, it was my drink of choice, and I drank it from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to sleep. Most days. I, I did. When I quit, when God finally got a hold of me, for over a year, I could stand at the door of a convenience store 
before I would go in and I could taste Budweiser Heavy because I knew exactly where it was because I wanted it. But here's the rebel. I stopped drinking when I was 20 years old, 364 days. Yeah, that's hilarious. It is. It's like, well, it's legal tomorrow, so let's don't do it. No. If I were in my flesh, I would go do it right now. But I chose to put that down. I chose to put that down and to follow not this slavery of this world and this slavery that leads to death, that is death, and I chose to be a slave of another who leads to life and eternal life. And it is something that you and I must choose, not just once for all. It's something that you and I must choose every single day. I close with, with, I have not done a great job. We may have to come back to this, but I'm, I'm going to get this last verse and we're going to close because it's for you. The third point is this. Your future is stated. Your future is stated and it is stated in chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read it one more time. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That verse is printed on so many salvation tracks. That verse is one of the verses that you run to. It is a part of the Romans road to salvation. It is one of the few. It is one of the, I mean, if there's ever a verse that you're going to use, you're going to use that one. You're going to use Romans 3.23. You're going to use Romans 6.23. You're going to use use Romans 10.9 and 10 and 13. You're going to use this verse, and rightly you should. But what you need to understand, he didn't write it to sinners He didn't write that to the lost. He wrote that to you. He wrote that to a son. He wrote that to a daughter. He wrote that to the church at Rome who had already confessed, who were already sons and daughters of the king. And he says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You're going to make some choices this week. I am too. I'm going to make some choices, and you know what? Those choices could flat lead to death in me. You say, Brian, whoa, you're saved. Yeah, so was Samson. But his choices got him up against two pillars. And his choices got him to push and to kill 2,000, yes. Oh, yeah. But they also killed him. But, but I'm saying, yep, so was Solomon. But the choices that he made on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday and also a Wednesday allowed hundreds of women to take his heart. And it is written that in his old, he was driven away. Oh, but, but I'm saved, Brian. 
Just because you and I say that we are saved does not allow you or me to live any way that we so choose. The wages of sin is death. Period. It's not that they, they're going to lead you down this road to death. No, they're death. It's dead. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 states, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's not that they're going to perish. It's not that those who don't know Jesus one day will perish. No, they're perishing right now. It is present tense. It is happening to you, happening to them at this moment. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. They're perishing at this very moment. They don't know Jesus. They're in India and they don't know Jesus. They're in Hernando and they don't know Jesus. And they are perishing right now. And that stench is an aroma going up into God's nostrils. From one, the death to death. And to the other, a fragrance from life to life. The wages of sin is death. Sir, you find yourself right now in the midst of sin. It's in your head. It's coming out of of words, ma'am. It is coming out in some actions that you're doing. And that wage is bringing death right now. Right now. Peter says, stop it. There's been enough time for you to live and to walk in that way. Just stop it. Come back. And this gift, it's a free gift. Oh, it's a costly gift. But it's a free gift. And it is eternal life. I don't have time. I actually have it. I'm just not going to take it. But I need you to know this. In John chapter 17, Jesus bowed his head before the Father. And in John chapter 17, Jesus stated these words. When he had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes and he prayed. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. God desires that none perish but all have eternal life. God has given Jesus authority. And that authority is that he laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for you so that tomorrow when the boss comes into your office and all you want to do is go up there and wring his or her neck, he says, that's death. Here's a free gift. It's eternal life. Eternal life is here and hereafter. Here. It is substance and it is meaning in life. Hereafter it is glory. And these things, these trials, these terrible situations of varying degrees from Monday through Friday that you and I have to go through, 
they pale in comparison to the glories that are to come. So what can you do? What am I to do? Can we live however we want? Not if you and I understand grace. Not if you and I understand the broken bread. Not if you and I understand the spilt blood. You can't live that way. And if you have been living that way, Jesus says, it's time for you to come back. It's time for you to understand the price that was paid for you. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I ask, oh Father, I ask that we would understand. Father, we would come to grips at this moment right now. God, you would show us, you would remind us that we can't live however we want to live. Father, we're yours. We are slaves. But God, I'm so thankful that being your slave, it leads to life. Leads to life eternal. Lord, there are some that are here today that have never encountered. They've never known you. They've never experienced you that way. They've got some head knowledge. It's been pumped into them as a boy or a girl or, or they've heard about you but Father they have never experienced you and you are calling them to yourself. I pray that they would obey. That they would come. Father there are those of us who are here and we, we've experienced you. We know you. We know you and we have trusted you with our forever yet we want Friday and Saturday. We want Thursdays. We want this moment alone or that moment. God, remind us afresh that you want all. You deserve all. And you're calling us to surrender so that we might have life. Sir, you come this morning. The invitation is for you alone. Ma'am, it is for you. It's for nobody else. For you to respond back to our Father and our Lord and Savior. So as we sing, as we stand, you join in, you respond and obey.